Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Kingdom Driven Family Podcast with your host, Andrea Schwartz. This podcast will equip and empower you to help advance Christ's kingdom through God's primary institution, the family, building a home that serves Christ and His kingdom. Hello. Today is October 9th. I'm Andrea Schwartz with another edition of Homeschooling Help, and I'm joined by my cohort in exhortation in Virginia, Nancy Wilk. Hello, Nancy. Hi, Andrea. All right. Okay, so we're about to embark on what I consider the impossible, covering the third commandment adequately in a half an hour. So if at best I, we have given you things to think about at the end of this half hour, I will consider this a success because most people's understanding of this commandment is one that they can just check a box and say, oh yeah, oh yeah, we don't do that. We're good on this one. And they move on. When in actual fact, I think if you understand the implications, you'll realize this is a commandment that not only do we need to focus on, that we're often in violation of. Right, right, right. So, Andre, today we're talking about the third commandment, the third and ten, and it tells us not to take the name of the Lord our God in vain. It's very easy for us to say, oh, well, I don't use God's name as a curse word. We don't use that language here. So even though the scripture tells us that, we know that it means more than that. Would you begin to explain what the more uh, that is. Okay. First of all, you you said part of that commandment. You said, thou shalt not take the name of thy Lord thy God in vain. But mm-hmm. there is an additional part to that commandment that says, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. By observation of the grammar, if you will be held guiltless if you do not take God's name in vain, then you will be guilty if you do. And if there's a problem that exists in our culture, it is people dealing with their guilt. And unfortunately, they rarely look at whether or not they're taking God's name in vain as the source of their guilt. So if they go to a counselor, a psychotherapist, a psychologist, and they're depressed and what comes out is things they've done in their past, attitudes they have, ways in which they live. Usually modern therapies or modern counseling tells them they need to love themselves and they need to forgive themselves and they need to do all these things. And sometimes they might even be um, recommended that they take medication to help them deal with the anxiety of their guilt. Well, this commandment tells us where guilt comes from. And I would, you know, say that when we take God's name in vain, and we'll explore the implications of that statement, that we are going to have guilt on ourselves because sin produces guilt. And that's actually a good thing. If we're guilty, there are usually things that we want to do about it. If we stop feeling guilty, then we're past the point of being helped because now there's not anything that's bothering us. Okay. Okay. So let me continue that 
and we need to establish a premise. Most, not all, but most of the commandments of God in these 10 commandments are stated in the negative. So this says, thou shalt not take God's name in vain. So the fact that it's stated in the negative has to do with setting up a boundary. Later, when we talk about killing, when we talk about adultery, when we talk about slander or theft, these are all stated in the negative, what we should not do. Well, mm -hmm. consider that the boundary. This is what we shouldn't do. So we can't go outside this boundary, but it allows what we can do inside the boundary. Okay. So this opens up a big question. If we're not to take God's name in vain, because it will have these negative consequences if we do, then we better find out what it actually means. So you've got your pulse on a lot of people in the homeschool movement who are actively involved in homeschooling, as do I. What do you think most people think when they think of this commandment and in terms of the things they should not do? Well, mostly they think in terms of saying God's name in a way as, as a curse word when they stub their toe or when they're frustrated about them, then they, they, they might would say Jesus or God in a way that is disrespectful to, to Jesus right. and God. All right. And I would say, first of all, not only is that a shallow view of this commandment, I don't even think you used a proper term. So, for example, when somebody stubs their toe and they say, oh, my God, or they say Jesus Christ or Lord, help me or good Lord or whatever they say, mm -hmm. they're really not cursing. They're calling on the name of the Lord. A lot of them don't realize that's what they're doing because very few people stub their toe and say, oh, Buddha. True. They don't say that or they don't say, oh, me or, mm -hmm. oh, my will be done, they call on the name of God instinctively, mm -hmm. right? So one way to take God's name in vain is to call upon God for help when you don't obey God in your day-to-day -day life. When not only don't you obey him, you don't even know what he requires. Right. So when we talk about doing something in vain, we're talking about vanity. We're talking about emptiness. Right. So imagine, and let's take this into real life, parents with their children. You tell their, your children there are things they're supposed to do, and they don't do them. Mm -hmm. They choose not to remember to do them, and their excuse is, I forgot. And then when they need you, they call upon you, and they expect you to be there. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Now, for a parent, that might work when he's two, three, four or five. But by the time the son or daughter is quite older and they start experiencing the consequences of their actions and they call on mom and dad to bail them out or to help them out. I used up all my money. I don't have any money. Will you pay my rent? Some mm -hmm. parents will. But mm -hmm. God as a father doesn't do that with his children. No, he, does, he expects yeah. his children to be responsible. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so, right. I would surmise that that's not cursing what you described. That's calling on the name of the Lord because there's power in the name. You know, mm -hmm. when we pray in Jesus' name, there's power in that name. Right. But when we abuse his name, then we are the ones who experience the guilt and mm -hmm. the repercussions of our sin. Mm -hmm. So, cursing is not 
uh, necessarily taking the Lord's name in vain. Taking the Lord's name in vain is when we um, when we use it. Uh, uh, when, well, I, I've often thought that taking the name of the Lord in vain is to um, identify as a Christian, but denying the authority and the power of God in my life. And so that's one of the um, ways that, that we look at we look at that. Would that be correct? assessment sure. of taking the Lord's name in vain? Right, but I'm saying it's much wider than that. Our culture, by and large, routinely, and as a matter of practice and pride, take the name of the Lord in vain. You can't mm -hmm. watch a modern um, depiction in media where somebody is using the name of Jesus Christ in a derogatory way, and they're cheapening it, right? But they're yes. not necessarily cursing. A curse is more pronouncing judgment on someone. So if somebody was to say to someone else, God damn you, that, that mm -hmm. fits into the area of a curse, right? You're asking God to damn someone else. Mm -hmm. However, if you're asking God to damn someone else and you're not using God's standard for that, you're taking the Lord's name in vain. Okay. Okay. Then there's the area of profanity. Mm -hmm. Again, it's different than the two things we just mentioned. Profanity is taking something that's good and making it dirty. So without mm -hmm. using the word, because it's not good speech and we shouldn't use it, one of the most um, overused and used words in our modern situation is a word that degrades the intimacy between a man and a woman in covenanted marriage. Right. An act and a relationship of intimacy that's a picture of Christ and his church. Mm -hmm. And yet that word not only is degrading that, but usually it's done in such a way that has very little to do with commitment till death do we part, etc. Right. That would be an example of profaning something that's good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's talk about um, when we talk about profanity um, or obscenity. What do you do with kids in their potty talk? You know, how do we how do we teach them? You know, to use proper language, and is that also taken? Is that profanity and taking the Lord's name in vain as well? Okay. Well, first of all, it's not only children that use potty talk. Um, grownups just use a different version of it. And instead of giggling about it, that just is usually laced in speech. And as somebody who um, indulged in that prior to my conversion, I can tell you that there are times when in fact something happens that I don't want. I just, the, you know, the dishwasher's overflowing or the, the washing machine now has water going around everything. Guess what? profane words end up coming out of my mouth and I have to go, whoa, really? I don't have I to. That, yeah, I thought I was past that. So mm -hmm. in other words, deep in us, as we're not fully sanctified, we're going to see sin rise to the surface. We shouldn't be so surprised when we see that, but like the provision that the Bible tells us in first John, that's when we bring those things to the Lord and ask for forgiveness mm -hmm. because we've sinned. Now, how is potty talk or various ways to describe excrement, how is that profaning? Well, if you go to what Paul says in the book of Philippians, that we're supposed to think on things that are pure and right, right? Mm -hmm. So if we degrade into 
um, flinging excrement or other words having to do with that, then our minds are not focused on things that are pure and right. So for a right. child, whether it's things that he says or does or your potty talk, as a parent, first of all, you need to explain why it's wrong. It's not just wrong because you don't like to hear it. It's wrong and put it in the context of scripture. Mm -hmm. And then help the child come up with another way to express it. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes, let me just say that sometimes Christians decide they're going to use other words, um, but they mean the same thing. So if we don't say the word that's socially unacceptable and we say, oh, poo, right? Well, okay, yeah, we all know we're talking about the same thing. It's good to explore why those are the words that come out of our mouth. Mm -hmm. Could it be mm -hmm. that it's part of our rebellious attitude towards submitting to God's word? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the things that, um, you know, when we talk to homeschooling moms, especially moms with little kids, there's that stage, you know, where they're in involved with a, a lot of that. And some of that may be childish. They're learning about something. They're in the potty training stage. And that you have to recognize as childish and a developmental stage. But but then the parent has to understand at what point it becomes crude and objectionable and why it is. Right. I mean, let's take something very obvious. If we didn't excrete from our body, number one or number two, as we sometimes refer to it, we'd be very sick people. Mm -hmm. So this is a bodily function that actually helps us be healthy and helps us maintain day-to-day -day life. Right. So when we take that, which is a gift from God, and we profane it, and it becomes a way in which to degrade someone else or to degrade a situation, we're taking the Lord's name in vain. In other mm -hmm. words, his name is not just what he calls himself, because there's a lot of names for God in scripture. His name is the name that's above all names. So if we define things outside of God's definition, we're taking the Lord's name in vain. Mm -hmm. So if we attribute, yeah, I would say, if we attribute the creation of the, I mean, the origins of life to a big bang and evolution, as opposed to how God said he did it, we're taking the Lord's name in vain. Do you see how widespread it becomes? Yeah, it, it's just everywhere. Just, as the Lord is, is comprehensive and totally sovereign in authority in every area of life, then we can profane him in every area of life, not just by how we how we refer to him and when we refer to him. Exactly. There's a comment here on the chat from Joe Smith who says, idle words that don't build up or help others think on these things, <clears throat> which means that, now here's a big one, whatever we think, whatever we say, and whatever we do needs to be done to the glory of God. Yes. That's not just if you have time or you're not busy that day or wait a second. Yeah, I haven't thought on that. Our, our consuming purpose should be to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the way we do that by way of review is to have no other gods before him, to not bow down to idols, 
or any graven image, substitute anything as our focus of worship, and then not abuse or take God's name in vain. So imagine if people were taught that every word that comes out of your mouth is either going to bring God's blessing or God's cursing on you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, a lot of people um, mistakenly have the idea that these commandments are were only for ancient Israel instead of for all God, all people for all time and for eternity, because God is always the same. So in the New Testament, we, we hear Jesus tells us that we'll give an account for every idle word. You know, that's that, scary to me. <laughs> I think that. You need to pay attention to what we're saying. Right. Um, I'm sure listeners will remember there have been fights in various places about Ten Commandments monuments being taken down and Christians being up in arms. Mm -hmm. Well, I would love to know if those same Christians could even tell us what the Ten Commandments are and if they could actually recite them, would they go beyond this commandment is, well, we don't use bad language in our house. We're good about that. Mm. As opposed to if you're supposed to be pursuing the kingdom of God and you're doing something else and you're calling something else an authority, which God says, no, he is the authority. Why should you expect that God will hear your prayers? Too many people look at the commandments of God and their relationship with God the way they look at an insurance (laughs) policy. They pay the premium and they hope they never have to use it. But if they do use it, then they got this deductible and they've paid for it. So they expect God to be listening to them, but they don't put the same amount of attention on all the places in scripture that says, if you don't obey me, I won't hear you. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's not because he's got bad ears. Yeah, true. Not because he's yeah, got well, bad we- ears. Yeah, you really are given a lot of um, things to to think about and much, much broader than we are accustomed to understanding uh, the Ten Commandments. And, and you're right. Most people, if they if they could recite any of them, may not even be able to recite them fully. Right. As I just demonstrated for you so well. Well, no, it's just that it's just the whole commandment is embraced in what everything God had to say. Now, let's take the whole idea of swearing. Again, this is a word that people think, oh, he used a swear word. He used a curse word. He was vulgar. He was obscene. Let me direct people to go to Rush Dooney's The Institutes of Biblical Law, Volume 1, and go through the, te- the the third commandment. There's about six sections, not that long. And there are also corresponding lectures on the third commandment that you could listen to. And you'll see that there are nuanced meanings of all these words, but specifically in terms of swearing has a lot to do with an oath. So most recently we had people who were under oath, under penalty of perjury. Well, we'll get to perjury when we start talking about false witness, but who were they taking an oath before? If we take an oath before God, then all our words are going to be accounted to us based on it. But now if you've ever done jury duty or you've ever had to testify, you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. According it used to be to- so help me God. Right. Because 
there was an acknowledgement that God was listening. So on a very down to earth, familistic thing, how many times did you have either come out of your mouth or you heard your children saying, I didn't do it. I swear to God. And they were often lying. I know when I used to say that as a kid, you could count on the fact that I was probably lying because you right. see, I was we trying to get some traction out of saying, I swear to God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when we profess something and it's not true, we're taking God's name in vain. When we profess to be believers, but don't live according to God's word, we're taking the Lord's name in vain. Right. So much so, it reminds me of in the New Testament where we're told for our yes to be yes and our no to be no, we don't even, we should not even have to make those oaths because we, everywhere we go, we're under the authority of God and a living representation of his truth and character or in the process of becoming that, right? Exactly. So everything, everything we set, everything that we reference should be appropriately or yes should be yes and our no should be no instead of having to to make swears and promises that, right. that are not necessarily lining up with God. Right. I, I come from an Italian family and I don't know if this is unique to Italian families, but I always had aunts and grandmothers swearing on their mother's grave, swearing on their uncle's <laughs> grave. And I was like, I remember thinking, huh? <laughs> So what does that mean? What am I supposed to think now? Oh, so if you don't swear to God when you're making this, you know, testimony or whatever it is, then other times you're not. Oh, so, okay. So are you only telling the truth when you're swearing to God or swearing to on your mother's grave or whatever it is in a very real sense, the believer is always under oath. Think about that for a second. We're always under oath. Yes. Mm -hmm. So this puts a burden, a good burden, the burden that Jesus says, put his burden, put his yoke on us and carry his burden. They're, they're definitely, it's definitely a yoke and it's definitely a burden. But if we put this burden on ourselves and we teach our children appropriately, then we don't have easy believism. We have faithful Christianity and it's hard work. Right, 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 right. And we do this um, very, very clearly. We want to make sure that people know that we do this not in order to be Christians, but because we are. God says, you belong to me. And so we can confidently as believers teach our children, children, we belong to God. And because we belong to God, God tells us that this is how we should go. This is what he wants us to do. This is what we're supposed to think. This is how we're supposed to speak. This is the way we demonstrate the truth of God to God and to others. So we're not talking about this as, um, you know, to do in these commandments to be saved or to be a Christian. But because we are, we want to represent him well. Right. It will be the natural outworking of the Holy Spirit within you to not take God's name in vain. And when you do, <clears throat> in whichever way you actually, <coughs> pardon me, whichever way you actually do it, that you will come to you as sin and you'll repent of. Mm -hmm. Right. And we'll feel guilty for that sin, not an right. artificial 
shame or, you know, uh, guilt trip, as people like to say, you're judging me. You know, no, God puts guilt on us when we sin and when we neglect that and call it something else, then we don't we won't be able to get God's remedy for those. Um, Exactly. And so the important part here is to realize that this is a, when we break this commandment, we can do it in overt ways and we can do it in subtle ways. And I think one of the obvious um, realities about homeschool graduates, you know, a lot of parents started homeschooling because this was going to be the formula that made sure that my children don't have the same problems I encountered. Because you see, I'm going to make sure they do not commit the sins I committed. Well, that's really attributing something to you, which you're not capable of doing. But I think when we don't tell children the truth, that God will not hold you guiltless if you take his name in vain, that would include letting mom and dad think, oh, yeah, I agree with all this. But when you're out on your own with your friends or you go to your first job or you go to college or whatever it is. And now you're taking God's name in vain because you know the truth and you're walking away from it mm -hmm. or you're concealing it. So this is a big one. Um, mm -hmm. Before we get on to the following commandments, think of how God progressively lays this out for us. He identifies mm -hmm. himself as God and there's no other gods but me. And then he makes it clear that he is the only one to be worshiped and you can't worship others. And if you do, this is going to have a generational effect, mm -hmm. but he's not without mercy. Mm -hmm. And that's why the commandments are such an act of grace. Mm -hmm. Think of the tyrants of history. They didn't tell everybody what was going to get them mad on Monday. Something could get them mad that Tuesday they didn't mind. And on Wednesday, that's not our God. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And right. so he's told us, this is these are the rules. And what's mm -hmm. so sad about our day is that too many Christians put their hope in politics or in retirement or in the particular way they're educating their children, as opposed to asking themselves, do I fear God and keep his commandments? And do I know the ramifications of doing so and not doing so? Right. When I think about um, the um, obligation that we have before God in training up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, I think that it's really important that we understand um, that we don't take the name of the Lord in vain when we seek to discipline and disciple and correct our children. Because if we're doing that, if we're not teaching our children um, truthfully about what God says, then we're taking his name in vain. And then when those children are saying, no, mommy, no, 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 they don't want their instructions. No, no, no. They don't want their um, they don't want to have any consequences. Then they, too, are taking the Lord's name in vain by rejecting is truth when when it is properly being being moved forward in discipline and instruction, yes. right? Does that make sense? <clears throat> yes, exactly. You know, 
when I was growing up, I don't think, I don't know if it's a slur on someone, but one of the really nasty things you could say to someone is that they were a bastard. Mm-hmm. That was a true insult. And if you think of what a bastard is, it's a person who obviously had somebody who's his father, but he's he doesn't have a father. He's somebody either that the father has abandoned because we would differentiate between an orphan and a bastard. Well, God Mm -hmm. doesn't treat us in his family as bastard children. And a bastard child would more than likely not be corrected by anyone because he didn't have a father to correct him. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, the good news, and I used to say this to my children, the good news is you're not a bastard. (laughs) The bad news is I'm going to discipline you and um, you're going to feel the consequence of that. Mm-hmm. And so it means something to be in the family of God. Mm-hmm. And until our children respond in spirit and in truth to the Lord Jesus Christ, they sort of ride the wave of being part of a family where mom or mom and dad or dad and not mom, depending on the situation, that they're sanctified through their parents. That's what Paul says. So mm-hmm. we don't have to assume that our children are born again. We don't have a little Geiger counter that says, okay, I'm going to hear, okay, yeah, this one's born again. This one's not. We're going to know them by their fruits. But quite frankly, as long as you're in our house, this is how you're going to act. And this is what you're going, this is what's permissible speech. Now, as I said before, you can't control someone else's thoughts. You can only inform them. And this is a very important commandment to inform them, because guess what? There is no human penalty assigned to this. It's God won't hold you guiltless. Mm. Not mom and dad won't, not your boss, not the, the, the prime minister or the president or the governor or the mayor. It's God won't hold you guiltless. Mm-hmm. And you see, he is limitless in terms of how your sin will be repaid right? Because the wages of sin is death. The blessing for the Christian, and this is something that children need to be taught. The blessing for the Christian is Jesus paid the debt that we can't pay. And that's how serious God considers the debt. God wants the debt paid. It was paid. Right. And for those who are not in Christ, their debt still exists. And a parent needs to communicate that to the child. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as followers of Christ, being made into the likeness of Christ, sanctification means we are we are being returned to reflect the proper image of God. We need to know what that looks like in this third commandment, and um, and disciple our children to to the proper image of God and the and properly to Christ. And if we don't understand what this third commandment means, then we really will be taking a very, very shallow um, and very limited view of discipling our children. And the reality is, if we don't learn what it means and what it doesn't mean and the full ramifications of obeying God and not, we may be experiencing a lot of things in our life that we're attributing to the devil and we're attributing to, depending on what side of the aisle you're on, the liberals or the conservatives 
or, you know, our problem is, you know, people of other religions or our problem is our neighbor or, you know, no, a lot of times the problem is us. And that's the one area that we really have by God's grace, the ability to really focus on and change. Right, right, right. We need to examine ourselves and see if we are in Christ and let that Holy Spirit lead us in truth and convict us of our sin and not call it something else. Well, right. And we have to use the the correct tool. You know, if somebody's sick, they'll take their temperature. Mm -hmm. But if they don't know what a good temperature is, if they think, oh, the higher the number, the better, my temperature is 105. I must be doing really well. No, mm -hmm. you have to understand the calibration and the standard to know if you're doing really well or not. 105 could mean you're close to death. So right. the points aren't always good, right? So you have to know the standard. And mm -hmm. that's where, like I said, the supreme act of God's grace to us is obviously Jesus Christ paying the penalty for our sins, but he gave us his law. So we don't have to be confused. Right. We don't if have to. Yeah. If I'm fornicating outside of marriage, I don't have to be confused. If I'm taking something that doesn't belong to me, I don't have to be confused. If I'm worshiping something else other than God, I don't have to be confused. Now, a lot of people want to be confused. They want to say, well, I didn't know. And then they say something like, isn't it great that God forgives us even when we ignore him? So they don't say it quite like that. They say, you know, we're not perfect. We're only human. And they give themselves a pass. The third commandment says there is no 70% is good enough. It's all or nothing. Right, right. Well, well, Andrea, you've given us a lot to think about, a lot of really important things, and we cannot say now that we didn't know. We right. can't say we don't know. We do know. And perhaps, you know, um, I was not taught these things when I was growing up. I was not raised in a Christian home. And um, a lot of the churches that I went to didn't teach these kinds of things. But now that we're Christian, now we have the Bible, now we have the Holy Spirit, we can go see. We can we're not going to get to say, oh, well, nobody told me, nobody told me this before. We know it now. So, right. so, so let, yeah, let me encourage yeah. people, go to calcedon.edu and right. put in the, um, the search bar uh, the third commandment. And you'll see that uh, there are audio lectures. And that may be the easiest way to do it. I often listen to lectures um, on my smartphone while I'm cleaning up the kitchen or something like that, where I'm doing something that, I know what I'm doing, but I could have the opportunity to listen. And I think that's the way that a lot of moms have to do things, especially if they're busy people. And uh, so you can multitask and in the process, um, learn more about how to obey God and keep his commandments. Very good. Thank you, Andrea. We'll do that. All right. Next time. Next time. All right. Thank you for joining Andrea Schwartz and the Kingdom Driven Family Podcast holding up the family and self-government as a true and lasting means of transforming society. Please visit thekingdomdrivenfamily.com and reconstructionistradio.com.